Well, does anybody know what day this is? First day of spring. That's right. First day of spring. <sighs> Yay. Yay. Right? Amen. Amen. My goodness. It was a long winter. I, I got so exhausted watching my son Brandon with the snowblower. It was just, <laughs> oh my. One of the things I enjoy about the coming spring is just the smell, right? The smells. The smells of spring, the smells of flowers, the smells of, of lilac bushes which are to come, the, even the smell of grass. The smells. It's, it's almost like God made the, your nose to be a time machine. And, you know, we just breathe in and those scents takes us back to a time and a place, and almost like we're there again. And yeah, we could talk about the mechanics of it. We could talk about the limbic system and how there's a thousand sensors stuck in your nose there. Do you know there was that much there? Your nose can detect 10,000 distinct aromas. I know, I know, I know. Uh, But I'd rather talk about the memories that are evoked, the memories that are triggered by, you know. Well, today we are going to be taken back to a scene, a time and a place brought to us by a smell, an aroma, a fragrance. And we read of that fragrance in the Gospel of John. John chapter 11 Verse 55, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn there. It's page 761 of your church Bibles. And I'm going to be reading John 11:55 through John chapter 12, verse 11. 11:55 through 12:11. And I just want... I want to read these verses and I want to tell the story behind these verses and then I want to talk about one point, one lesson. This is a one-point sermon today. So I want to read the verses, tell the story, and get to the point. John eleven fifty-five. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover... Many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus. And as they stood in the temple area, they asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the feast at all? But the chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that if anyone found out where Jesus was, he should report it so that they might arrest him. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive 
perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. This is God's word. Well, what did you smell first in this passage? What aroma? Huh? Ah, I smelled food. (laughs) Preachers can smell food food a mile away, right, Irvin? And we're going to be having some food here after second service. And uh, we're going to be having a banquet. And, and by the way, uh, I, I wanted to uh, make sure that we took the opportunity to just welcome our brothers and sisters in Christ from Restoration Church and, and Pastor Irvin from Restoration Urban uh, Ministries. And would you, would, if you're from the Restoration Ministry, would you all just please stand and let us just love you here. Huh? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Um, thank you. <clears throat> Now, Irvin just had some surgery on his throat. Otherwise, both of us would be preaching today. And uh, so, but we had some prayer a little while uh, back. And I am, I'm so much looking forward to our table fellowship time after church. And uh, it's, it's uh, an, an opportunity uh, for just light conversation and godly conversation, pleasant conversation with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be setting up um, uh, just immediately after this service. And, and if you, um, Windsor Rotors, if you um, had forgotten maybe that we were going to be having table fellowship today, there's still time. Go, go get something and come back, all right? And we'll, uh, we'll enjoy. And by the way, let me just say this ahead of time. Uh, you know, after we go through the food lines and after we are gathered around the tables, cross-pollinate, all right? Let's get together and let's just visit and share. And there'll be name tags uh, so that you don't have to just keep saying, brother, hi, brother, hi, sister, hi, brother, hi, sister. We'll have name tags Write your name on uh, there, and, um, and let's just have some, just some lovely sweet time. Amen? Amen. Amen? Because I think, you know, that was at least the hope of John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, that there might be this, you know, this, this wonderful conversation, this meal that was held in Jesus' honor, 
you know? I mean, it would be interesting conversation when you think about it, right? I mean, look who's around the table. First, there's Simon the leper. What's a leper doing around the table? Who? Are you contagious? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he was, I think that's his nickname. Uh, I really, I, I mean, I think he had had leprosy and Jesus had healed him. Oh yeah, that's Simon the leper, you know. <laughs> and what used to be nubs <laughs> were now like fingers and blotched skin. Now just, just, <laughs> Baby's bottom soft. <laughs> Can I say that? I just did. <laughs> you know? And he's the host, according to Mark's gospel. He's the host. And at least one commentary suggests that Simon the leper could have been the father of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And don't know that. I wouldn't bet a paycheck on that, but it made a commentary. So I give that to you. You're welcome. Simon the leper. And then there's Martha. Martha. John chapter 12, verse 2 says, Martha served and Martha served. You know, every church needs a Martha. Right, Irvin? Every church. Change that. Every church needs hundreds of Marthas. Because, because of the Marthas, the bulletins get folded and the coffee gets brewed and the children's ministry gets prepped and the church babies get bounced and the church building gets built. And you don't appreciate the Marthas until Martha's missing. And then all the Marys and the Lazaruses are scrambling around looking for the keys and the thermostats and trying to figure out how to run the coffee machine. And Martha, Martha's the energizer bonnie. That's what she is. And and, and since the Marthas don't seek the spotlight, they don't live off the applause. And it's not to say they shouldn't receive it. They're just not addicted to it. Martha served. There's Simon the leper. There's Martha. And then there's Lazarus. Now, wouldn't it have been interesting sitting next to Lazarus? Huh? I mean, I mean, his story is there in... John chapter 11, I mean, he was dead, and Jesus brought him back, and I'm not talking CPR. I mean, he was stinky dead. That's what we're talking about, and yet there he is. Can you imagine the dinner conversation, right? Well, how did you feel? Dead. <laughs> well, okay, well, what's that like? It's hard to say if you've never died. You mean I have to die in order to understand you? Uh, I mean, wh what happened next? I heard his voice. Whose voice? And nodding to Jesus. His voice. The voice of Jesus. But you were dead. Right. But you were in a tomb. Right. Well, how does a dead man in a tomb hear the voice of another man? He doesn't. The dead only hear the voice of God. I heard the voice of God. Amen. Would you please pass the olives? Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, maybe this sort of thing went on. You know, Simon explaining his baby soft skin, Lazarus alive, Martha serving pleasant light, table fellowship maybe bethany was this 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 blue sky event honoring jesus maybe
And then again, maybe not. I mean, if John 12, 1 through 8 was all that we read, we might assume that it was just this fun time of table fellowship. But the fact of the matter is this. This blue sky event in Bethany was sandwiched between the looming storm clouds of scheming religious enemies who wanted Jesus dead. And the religious authorities have posted an all-points bulletin out on Jesus. Jesus Christ is a wanted man. And Bethany, Bethany, a two-mile walk from Jerusalem... And we're talking, you know, from here to Panera. That's what we're talking. Just a two-mile walk from Jerusalem. And, and, And really, it's more like this, that Jesus has been kind of smuggled in to Bethany. There, he's being harbored in Simon's home. And there's this eerie mixture of of hope and fear, of joy and uncertainty, of adventure and danger. And, And part of the question is this, what's going to happen next? I mean, it's the Passover, it's the Passover season. This, this, this dinner is in Jesus' honor. And, and maybe part of the tension is wondering, okay, is Jesus going to do for Israel what Moses did for Israel of old? It's the Passover, which is, which is liberation day when God's people were emancipated from Egyptian bondage. And, and perhaps Jesus is going to, in Jerusalem, call down the legions of heaven and in one night, in one Passover night, annihilate the mighty Roman army, which also occupied Israel there, keeping them in bondage. Maybe that's going to happen. Is this going to happen? What's going to happen? And then you've got the disciples assuming that that's what's going to happen, and so they're jockeying for cabinet positions in the new administration, right? I mean, that's, that's what's going on there as they're arguing with one another, who's the greatest, whose office is going to be next to Jesus? While all of this was going on during dinner, suddenly Christ heard the snapping of a bottleneck. A jar snapped open and then he felt something pour over his head and neck and along his face. And down his back. And one moment this table full of men were, were talking and eating. And the next they were staring and smelling. Staring at the hand. The hand that held the bottle. The bottle that trembled as it trailed along Jesus' body. This liquid that stained his cloak and spilled onto the couch and then over his legs. And finally the hand that emptied the bottle that trailed along the body that, that, that finished there at the feet and a puddle forming there by the heel. This hand which gripped the bottle then held a towel of hair. This hair was unbound and now was sopping up the excess at the feet of the Holy One. Verse 3 says, The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Can you smell it? Are you there? 
It was the hand of Mary. It was Mary. Not Mary, the mother of Jesus, and not Mary Magdalene. It was Mary, Mary, the sister of Martha, Lazarus. It's her hand. She was the one who broke the bottle. She was the one who poured the perfume. And she was the one that sopped up the excess with her hair. Now, now, I mean, it would have been just normal and courteous in that day to wash filthy feet and refresh the face of a guest with maybe scented oil. That was just a, that was a courtesy. I mean, Middle Eastern roads were not made of asphalt back then. They were dirty and dusty and, and, and feet were caked and, and those caked feet needed cleansing and it was the task of a slave to refresh the weary traveler with water and with light oil for the face. But this was different. <laughs> I mean, it's not like Jesus took a bath and a hot shower and then he was drenched with cologne no 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 this was different this was reckless she 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 drenched his head splashed his body and washed his feet with this not not with water and 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 not with scented oil and not with old spice either what does john say it was pure nard Pure nard. Huh? Where do you get that? India. India. Yeah. Like the Himalayas, India. She's in Israel. What is, would, did she just go to Amazon? And because it's over $25, the shipping's free? Well, how does that work? This is India. Had they sold it? I, I mean, look, the bottle itself was worth a fortune. Just the container. Let alone what's in it. But had they sold it, it they could have lived off the proceeds for 12 months. This was a family heirloom. That's what this was. This was, this, this was something to, to pass on to, to future generations. That's what, this was something to pass on to the future, and yet it was emptied right there in the present. I mean, I mean it, 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 it was the kind of, it was the kind of, of heirloom that would, would only be sold or traded in the event of just a severe economic meltdown. And yet, in a matter of seconds, it's gone. It's, it's, what? What? That was Judas, right? What? What are you doing? That's what Judas wanted to know. Don't you know that you could have given this to the poor? Don't you know what it was worth? Now, Judas said that. Judas, who knew the price of everything and the value of nothing. Uh, but Mark's gospel tells us that it wasn't just Judas. All right? It wasn't just Judas. Mark's gospel says that some there, some there, that's more than one, some there were saying indignantly, indignantly to one another. They were just, oh, what? You know, isn't that interesting? They were angry over that which didn't belong to them.
And then Mark 14, 5 says that the disciples rebuked her sharply. That word rebuke, it, it has the uh, word picture of flaring nostrils in anger. Huh? Well, Jesus rebuked them. Leave her alone. This, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. What she's done is beautiful. You, you, you will always have the opportunity to serve the poor. You will not always have me. She did this beforehand in preparation of my burial. And you know what happened next? I don't know. The story ends. We, 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 it's like, we don't know what was said next. We don't know what they had for dessert. We don't know. We don't know. But we do know this. We do know that, that, that this was strategically placed here. The sandwiched between these storm clouds was this blue sky Bethany event for a reason, for a lesson. And here is what I believe the lesson is. If you forget everything else, don't forget this. We've read the scripture. We've told the story. Here's the point. And the point is this. Every now and then, every now and then, Jesus Christ gives us the opportunity to show radical love grounded in him and he is pleased when we take it. Every now and then, every now and then, Jesus gives us the opportunity, the chance to show radical love, extraordinary love, extravagant love. Amen. Let me unpack that for a minute. Every now and then, Every now and then, Jesus gives us the opportunity. One week later, he's going to be dead. One week later. If only the disciples had realized this. That they sat next to Christ. How close they sat to Christ. And yet how clueless they were about what was going to happen on Friday. I mean, even the, even the night before Jesus was crucified, even the night before Jesus' betrayal, the disciples had no clue. I mean, they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. But Mary, on the other hand, she makes peace with Christ's death. She accepts the inevitability of his death. She doesn't try to talk him out of it. She doesn't swing a sword in the Garden of Gethsemane. She doesn't say, I'll never abandon you, Jesus. She just knows that now is the time to show love. And so she offers the funeral flowers while Christ is alive so that she wouldn't need to once he died. Is there not a lesson here for us? church family, is there not a lesson here about making the most of those every now and then opportunities? I, I hear, let's do it. Yeah, like the opportunity to express love now. The opportunity to write that note is now. The opportunity to make that phone call is now. The opportunity to reconcile that relationship is now. The opportunity to give that gift is now. The opportunity to date your spouse is now. 
The opportunity to love your children is now. And the opportunity to come to Christ is now. The opportunity to repent of your past is now. Not tomorrow, not the next day, or the day after that, or the week after that, or someday, but today. Now. Now. Every now and then, Jesus gives us the opportunity to show radical love, radical love. Oh, not not just by what she gave, but the way she gave it. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Mary, Mary radically broke every cultural protocol by the way she showed love. I mean, around this table fellowship of men, This woman interrupts and she takes on the servant's task of touching and handling the dust-caked feet of Christ. And yet at the feet of Christ, that's where we see Mary most, right? If we just look through her life, we see in Luke 10, 39, Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. We see Mary in John 11, 32, at the death of Lazarus, she saw him and she fell at his feet. And yes, again, in John chapter 12, Verse 3, Mary poured this nard on Jesus' feet. <laughs> Handling and touching the mud-caked feet. That's ra- that is a radical display. And then there was the... <gasps> <gasps> the kind of... <gasps> that some of you felt just about 10 minutes ago when our brother in Christ was breaking the bottle to God. She unbound her hair. <gasps> These men, in that day, a Hebrew woman would never do that. Ever. Never do that. See, see, see Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven fifteen that a woman's hair is her glory. And this is what we see happening. This godly woman is unbounding her hair and putting her glory at the mud-caked feet of Jesus. I'm telling you, Jesus' mud-caked feet is holier than your clean hair. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see this painting up here? This, this is an artist's interpretation, a guy whose last name is Reuben, of, of what we read here. And there's two stories going on here. The story of Mary's love for Jesus and and. Um, you know, this was in this, done in the 17th century. So it doesn't capture the whole flavor of Hebrew culture, but I do believe that Mr. Reuben gets the heart of how brazen it was for Mary to come in because her shoulder is bared. She's just pouring it all out to her Savior. That's one story. Then there's a story above the table, the, (gasps) what is she doing? The indignation of it all. Listen, listen, don't expect the world's approval when you display radical love. 
Don't. Don't expect that. And don't even expect your church family to approve either. Why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? Those were the disciples that said that. Do you know there are some in the church who think that they have received the spiritual gift of criticism? You know? <laughs> Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Or you should have, or you could have, or you spent too little. You, you, you didn't do enough. You gave too much. Look, Mary loves Jesus, and she's done something beautiful. And the others don't see the beauty because they don't get it what it is that compels her to do this, Jesus must die. He must die for their sins and he must die for her sins. For her sins. And maybe she was the only one in the room who got that. Maybe. Maybe. But the fact of the matter is, church family, Radical love costs. I would love to be able to tell you that true, biblical, godly love is exhilarating and fun and playful and just, oh, wow. You know better. You know better. You, you have never loved a broken, guilty, hurting person except through self-sacrifice. I don't know why people ever get the impression that the church is for people who have it all together or for that matter, their pastor has it all together. Listen, loving others is costly. And it's emotionally draining. And it's physically and mentally depleting. And we wonder what makes, what makes all this worth it? It's because God so loved the world. God so loved the stinky world. You matter to God. That's what makes it worth it. Question, what's your net worth? Hmm? And listen, listen. If you answer with a dollar amount, you're trapped. And and here's the deal. Had we walked into that picture, had we walked into these verses, had we walked into that room, you know, I believe it would be very easy for us to flag Judas and the disciples and those above the table as godly and holy while The one under the table, Mary as uncouth and brazen. We think we know who loves Jesus and who doesn't. But the Gospels of Mark and John show us otherwise. You see what's going on here? Those who appear to be insiders, the religious leaders and enemies and and those in Jerusalem, they're really on the outside. While those on the outside, the Marys, the Simon, the lepers, those are really the ones on the inside. They are close to Christ. So the question on the table is, who are you? Who are you in this story? Are you Judas or are you Mary? Where are you in this picture? Are you with the shameless Mary worshiping Jesus with everything she's got, risking the wrath of her sister who's doing all the hard work, risking the anger of men who perhaps don't quite trust their own feelings when a woman lets her hair down in public, and risking the sneer of a person who knows the price of everything and the value of nothing, or are you Judas? Now, now, now just listen, set aside the just natural tendency to distance ourselves from Judas. I mean, none of the, even none of the other disciples suspected his treachery until it happened. Or are you back in the kitchen with Martha? <laughs> if so, how are you feeling about Mary and Judas? And how do you feel about Jesus and what he has said? Every now and then, 
Jesus gives us the opportunity to show radical love grounded in him, grounded in him. What we must know is this, what Mary is doing, she's not doing in order to deserve her way to Jesus. Rather, she's doing this to display her faith in Jesus. Hers is the response to God's grace, not an attempt to earn God's grace. In faith, she leans on and trusts and loves Christ, not just for what he'd done in the past, but for what he's going to do in the future, for what's about to happen. You see, and this is why her gift was not wasted, Because you see, in a very short time, Jesus is going to go where only the poorest of the poor do go. The cross. The cross is the way that leads Jesus into the deepest solidarity with the poor. He's not going to call down the legions of angels to defeat evil. He will defeat evil by absorbing it in the poverty of his death. Stripped of his possessions, treated with contempt, excluded from society outside the city, he will be left to die in the dark. Jesus, in his death, identifies with the most wretched poor of the earth. And it kind of makes you wonder if on the cross... The scent of that pure nard could be smelled from Jesus' body. Now, if it would have been Old Spice, it would have just been washed off. But this was the good stuff, you know. And, and good stuff, you can't just get it off. Jesus is hanging on the cross and as he breathes in his nostrils, he's hanging there in the final moments of death. Could, is it possible that he could have received the gift of Mary? She's anointed me for my burial. He smells Mary's love. Can Jesus smell your love today? He smells in his hair and in his beard and his skin the lingering gift of of Mary's radical love, and he was pleased. He's pleased when we take it. That's what we learn in Mark 14, 9. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, after my death and burial and resurrection and ascension, when the good news of new life in Christ goes global, what she's done will also be told in memory of her. It was one of those last shall be first, first shall be last twists. Mary's memorial in anointing Jesus for his burial comes back to her for her radical love will always be told in memory of her. You know the beauty of it today for us, this side of the cross, this side of the resurrection, the beauty of it is this, we don't have to choose. We don't have to choose between giving to Jesus or giving to the poor. We don't. We don't have to choose between am I going to spend time with Jesus in devotions or am I going to help the, those with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. You know, we don't, we don't have to choose between spending time with God or spending time at the bedside of, of those who are about ready to step into the arms of God or, or we don't have to choose between Jesus or the naked or Jesus or the uh, orphaned or Jesus or uh, spending weekly time mentoring that child 
Because Jesus has already said, just as you've done this to the least of these, you've done it to me. Every now and then, Jesus gives us the opportunity to show radical love grounded on our faith in him, and he is pleased when we take it. And and here's the beauty of it all. It's not just something for me individually. It's for us. This is a church community through the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ who lives not merely in individual Christians but in the church community at large. Corporately, Christ gives us the opportunity to show radical love, which is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads Everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Everywhere, everywhere the fragrance of Jesus goes. Everywhere, everywhere. Peru, the Dominican Republic, Ukraine, Africa, everywhere. Windsor Road, Parkland Court, everywhere. Everywhere. The University of Illinois, Parkland College, our school district, hospitals, clinics, everywhere. Can Jesus, can Jesus be smelled through our congregation, our church. There are two congregations here, but there's only one church. Only one church. Amen. Amen. In your seats here, you all have received this daffodil. Okay? This is your alabaster jar. That's what this is. What what alabaster jar is going on in your life that God is giving you the opportunity to break? See? See, the fragrance of Jesus goes out, but only if the bottle's broken. You got Who broke the bottle? You got to break the bottle. You do. You do. We do. So, so, what what is it that needs to be broken? Is it the is it the alabaster jar of money? Is that it? What what does your offering say about the place of God in your life? Is is it is it a talent? Is it an is it an ability that you're harboring away that Jesus wants broken? Is it the alabaster jar of time? Is it a conversation? Is is it a phone call? Is it a letter? Maybe the alabaster jar is is the jar of silence. That's what I have put here on my daffodil, on my alabaster jar, breaking the silence because in the last two weeks, it's like the Lord has just put in, into my life, into my wife Sarah's life, we've, he's just given us opportunities, every now and then opportunities. Opportunities that if we had not taken, they would have been gone. Opportunities to have spiritual conversations, intense spiritual conversations. 
And he's challenged me to break that jar, to break that bottle. What's your jar? Is it the jar of the past? Is that it? Is it a hurt? Someone hurt you and you've got this bottle and you're holding on to it because you think it's so valuable and you're going to pass it on to the next generation and the truth is nobody wants it. And it needs to be broken at that cross right there. That thing you think is so valuable, it needs to be broken completely so that the fragrance of Christ might take over completely. What is it? Well, now is your opportunity. I, I'm going to invite you to do this. You don't have to if you don't want to, but just what, what, you identify what your jar is, and then you, you know what I want you to do? I want you to identify what it is, write it down, and then you go to these boxes around here and, and bring your tithes and offerings with you. And you take this yellow and you, you break it, okay? Break it, tear it, and you put it in the box. And then you do, what is that? Oh, that's, that's Christ we smell. That's what that is.